0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Beau Bruce. Today we hear in the Gospel of St. Matthew, our Lord tell us that no person can serve two masters, that we cannot serve God and mammon. He tells us that we should not worry Not be fearful about any of our material needs, for God will take care of them if we first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who is your master? In our society, a society that is extremely sensitive to any words that might be hurtful to others, there's been a move to avoid words like master and slave in several technical fields. For example, I don't know how much you've ever poked around in a computer, especially one 10 or 15 years ago, to find the hard drives labeled slave or master, or know that a description is sometimes used to describe a server with a master database that's synchronized with all the slave systems. Some have suggested alternatives like primary and replica, or leader and follower. However, if you've ever taken a cursory look at the Bible... And an aside, if you haven't, make it your goal to read it cover to cover. It truly lives up to its name as the greatest book ever written. But anyway, if you've ever taken a cursory look at the Bible, you know that it's full of slave and master language. Unfortunately, as some are all too prone to do, there have been people willing to twist the clear sense of the Bible into promoting the enslavement of some people to others. The Bible indeed does talk about real slavery, because in the ancient world it was a fact of life, but it does not condone it. Yet the Bible does make one thing clear. We are all slaves, and our only master should be God himself. But who is your master? You cannot serve God and mammon. For those of you from other faith traditions, and probably even our own, you've probably heard this used as a proof text of a preacher's sermon. Unfortunately, too often mammon was narrowly interpreted as money or material wealth. That's understandable since mammon is a Hebrew word that means money. However, there's another group who believe based on the Syriac trans- translations, that this actually may instead be derived from a word that meant that in which one trusts. This seems quite reasonable when we put it into the context of the other places we see this word in the New Testament, which all occur in the parable of the unjust steward, that I make poor Stephen preach about every year because it's so impenetrable. There is that verse, that is Luke 16, 11, in that parable that uh, Stephen preached on a few weeks ago. It goes like this. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit you to your trust, the true riches? Now think about what happens if we, t- we think about mammon as what someone trusts in and put it in that verse. And the verse would read something like, if you can't be trusted with that which isn't worth putting your trust in, who will trust you with the stuff that is worth trusting in? And that is actually a parallel to the verse right before that. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and who, he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much, except it's more about trust than faithfulness. So I think Jesus is driving it much more than just material wealth here or physical goods. Yes, money and physical wealth are a part of what we should of what we should not put our trust in. But a much deeper it's much deeper than that. Basically, anything that isn't God isn't worth putting our trust in. Mammon is everything that isn't God or aligned with God. Mammon is anything that's not seeking the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Mammon is our faithlessness, our sinful thoughts and actions, our focus on stuffing our bodies with food and drink, our sexual cravings, the lies we tell others and ourselves, often coveting of what we do not have internally or externally, a wanting of more, more, more. Who is your master? Often, it is stuff that's our master, And again, I don't just mean physical wealth, but the activities we spend our time doing rather than spending time on God. How much time do you spend getting and doing stuff? How much money and energy do you spend on stuff, organizing your stuff, worrying over your stuff, lamenting over the stuff you don't have, wishing you'd gotten that other stuff, making more space physically and mentally for your stuff, and so on and so on. But Jesus tells us we have it backwards. We have to get control of our stuff before it controls us. Even our own country's motto is, in God we trust. But it seems that one thing is for sure, most of us behave as it's in stuff we trust. And in fact, our consumerist society is based on that very principle. So if we spent more time concerned with the kingdom of God and God's righteousness then we can stop worrying about all that other stuff. Why is that? I think the reason is twofold. One, we will stop caring about a lot of the unrighteous mammon in our life that simply isn't aligned with God. Because once we're aligned with God, we want to be more like him. (laughs) Two, the the rest of it, the part we really need, God will indeed provide if we simply put our trust in him instead of our stuff. Yet we are not faithful with what is least, and thus we can't be trusted with much. So how can we change this? How do we give up our false sense of control and instead trust God? Jesus tells us this also. If you've not read the Sermon on the Mount recently, I recommend you do this week. It's just three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, of which this is a section that we read today. It's chapters 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5, 6, 7, that's where you'll find the Sermon on the Mount. And guess what? Just spending a little time reading your Bible this week, that would probably be a great way to start giving up some of those other things that are filling up our lives and instead doing something that's seeking the kingdom of God. And when you read those chapters, you'll see that God provides us with a three-step plan to focusing on the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. It's a plan that I know I say over and over again. I feel like a broken record. You probably think I am. And so you're probably tired of hearing it, but it is the kernel of where we have to start. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Christ goes right through those three things in the Sermon on the Mount. And if only I was half as good at doing those things as saying it over and over again, I would probably be able to stop saying it. But I'm not very good at it either. And I expect none of us are where we want to be in our walk with the Lord on those three things, prayer, fasting, and off So why do those three things help us seek the kingdom of God and put God first? Well, let's take each one briefly in turn. Prayer fosters our communication and relationship directly with God. And when we are really praying right, we're praising and worshiping God and interceding for our neighbors. The minority of our prayers should be about ourselves. Instead, we can trust, as Jesus just told us, that God knows what we need. Instead, let us turn our prayers outward toward God and our neighbor. Fasting reminds us that true nourishment is not ordinary food, but the bread of life, Christ himself, and gives us controls over our bellies and the rest of our bodies. And fasting just isn't about food. It's about self-denial. It can be about any of that stuff we were talking about a minute ago. It's about being mindful that God will provide for us. Finally, almsgiving reminds us that our stuff is not our treasure, or even a treasure at all. Instead, we need the treasure of heaven. The only stuff we need is Jesus. Jesus. And when we give the rest of our stuff to others, even our enemies, we show them love, just as Jesus shows us his love. As always, I like to remind you that almsgiving isn't just about giving money or things to others. In fact, that's the easy part. It's giving your time, your energy, your love, your want to do something else, your want to do something else, at that moment when you should be helping a fellow human being in need. It could be your friends, your family, your coworkers, Let's keep that in mind this week too. Each of these three is perfectly aligned with fulfilling God's ask of us to serve him and thereby our neighbor. Just as Jesus himself, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. Jesus himself showed us that it's okay to be a slave when you have a master that's holy, good, and perfect, that being God. So what I just told you is a tall order. But our passage today also reminds us not to be afraid. God knows we're afraid. He knows that ever since the fall, we've been hiding from him in fear. We've been hiding our talents in the ground because we're afraid of him. Every time God or, his, or even just his messengers arrive, the angels Usually the first words out of their mouth are, do not be afraid. And yet, we're afraid. But instead of fear, we should feel penitent. We should recognize our imperfections, accept them, have tears of repentance. But no matter how hard we try, we will never be God, and God knows that better than any of us. So why is he asking us to be God? Why do we talk about theosis in our church? That is becoming by grace all that God is by nature. Because God knows that when we walk with him, then we are capable. Because everything is possible with him. And guess what? God just wants to walk again with us in the garden in the cool of the day. Just like old times. He misses us. He loves us more than we can imagine. He sent his only son to die a shameful death on the cross for us just so we could walk with him again. So despite our high calling, we have nothing, absolutely nothing to fear. And so therefore, do not worry. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. So now, go home this week, some point, read Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount again. Put your trust in God, for with him all things are possible. Show that you trust Him through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and the rest will be given unto you. And above all, do not be afraid. For God loves you and wants more than anything for you to share in His rich and glorious life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and Reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.